0: Chapter 3 of Billy Whiskers, The Autobiography of a Goat This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Billy Whiskers, The Autobiography of a Goat By Francis Trigo Montgomery Billy at the Soda Fountain After Billy Whiskers had left Mr. Biggs, he trotted slowly down the road, wondering where he would get his next meal, for he well knew he would never dare go back to Mr. Biggs's after upsetting him in the geranium bed and causing all the mischief he had there that day. But, being a goat of a cheerful frame of mind and used to looking out for himself, he did not worry much and decided he would enter the first garden he came to, and make a free lunch off the vegetables, or go into a turnip patch and feast on them, for if there was anything he doted on, it was nice sweet turnips, fresh from the fields. He had gone some distance, and no patch or garden appearing that was not enclosed by a high barbed wire fence, he commenced to get discouraged. Feeling hungry and thirsty, he was about wishing he had behaved himself at Mr. Biggs's so he could go back, when he came to a turn in the road, and there before him stood a frame building, with the door open, and over the door a large picture of a white polar bear sitting on a cake of ice drinking a foaming glass of soda-water while in a circle round him sat little bears each with a glass of something cool to drink this is just the place i have been looking for thought billy where thirsty animals can get a drink so in he walked much to the fright of a party of picnickers who were sitting around a little table drinking soda water and lemonade and eating ice cream. The man at the soda fountain, on seeing Billy, was so surprised that he forgot to turn off the fizz he was putting into a glass of soda he was mixing, and it foamed up and ran up his sleeve and all over everything. This caused the young people to laugh, which made the young man behind the counter mad. He picked up a bottle of ginger ale and pretended to throw it at Billy. But alas for his intentions. He raised it too high. It hit a large bottle of syrup that stood on a shelf behind him, breaking both bottles at the same time. And instead of hurting Billy, he got a sticky bath of syrup and a shower of ginger in his own eyes. This was adding insult to injury he thought, and this last mishap turned the laughter of the crowd into a scream of merriment, which did not lessen his anger in the least. He grabbed a broom that stood nearby, and jumping over the counter, went for Billy, who all this time had been standing still, doing nothing but looking at the man and waiting for him to give him a drink of some kind. When Billy saw the man jump over the counter with the broom, he knew he was after him. But at the same time, he made up his mind that he would not leave that store until he had had a drink of something, man or no man. So when the man made a lunge at him with the broom, Billy made a quick rush at the man and planted his head in the middle of the fellow's stomach sending him sprawling on the floor, where he landed in the midst of a shower of toothbrushes he had upset as he flew by the showcases. This catastrophe frightened the girls and boys who had been sitting sipping soda and laughing at the man, and there was a mad scramble to get out, but Billy was too quick for them. He wheeled round and butted the tail end of one fellow's coat, so hard that it sent him flying clear through the open door and out into the road, where he landed in a mud puddle. Then he turned and went for the girls, who were all huddled together against the wall, screaming and crying with fright. He walked up to them. As they saw him coming, they thought their time had come, and threw up their hands to cover their eyes and screamed harder than ever. But he only took a bunch of green wax grapes off the hat of one of the girls, and commenced to chew it, and he would have left them alone, but one of the boys who was with them came to their rescue and tried to drive Billy away by giving him a hard blow with a chair he had picked up. This infuriated Billy, and he gave the whole bunch of girls a butt, and then turned and went for the boy, who was holding the chair high over his head. Ready to strike. Billy stuck his long horns into the boy's chest and laid him flat on the floor in an instant. Then he walked up on him and planted his two feet on his breast while he lowered his head, licking the boy's face all over with his tongue. This made the boy furious, but he could do nothing as the goat was heavy, and with his weight on his chest, he thought he would smother. By that time, the soda fountain man had recovered his breath and came at Billy again with his broom raised, ready to strike. Billy saw him coming and left the boy he was standing on and ran behind one of the tables. Then the chase began. Round and round the tables and chairs went the goat with the man after him, upsetting everything as they went until the store looked as if a cyclone had struck it with the foaming soda water and ice cream running all over the floor. When Billy thought he had tired the soda man out, he ran out the door and sent those that were standing there scattering like a flock of chickens. All you could see for a while were blue stockings, black stockings, white petticoats, and heels as the girls ran screaming in all directions. Each girl thought Billy was behind her, but was too afraid to turn round to look, so kept running until she had reached a place of safety, either climbing a fence or getting behind something. And then, when she turned to look, there was no billy goat in sight, for Mr. Billy had disappeared in a small grove behind the store. After Billy had left them, he went on through the woods until he came to a little shanty with a small clearing behind it, where cabbages turnips and such things were planted and as the gate was open he walked in and began to help himself for he saw at a glance that everything was shut up tight and that there was no one at home after eating all he wanted he walked up to the porch where he saw a nice pail of water this he drank in a twinkle and while doing so thought of that mean soda water man who would not give him a drink. "'But I don't care,' thought Billy. "'This tastes better, and I got even with him anyway.' Billy looked round and saw a straw stack at the further end of the yard, and a low shed, which backed up to another shed in the next yard. Billy noticed for the first time that there was another house and yard adjoining the one where he was, and from there he could hear voices saying good night then all was still and he walked to the straw-stack and lay down in its shelter and was soon fast asleep he had no idea how long he had been asleep when he heard a woman say in a high-pitched voice "'Rooney, I told you, you would leave that gate open once too many times "'and someone's cow would get in and eat up all the cabbages. "'And now look, some cow or horse has been in here and eaten "'and trampled down all of our nice young cabbages and turnips. "'I've a mind to shake your head off, so I have.' Then the same voice raised itself and called, Tim, Tim, come here and see what mischief has been done. Billy lay still and looked in the direction from which he heard the voice sound, and presently he saw a short, fat, red-headed boy come around the corner of the house. They went to the cabbage patch and began to replant the cabbages that he had trampled down and not eaten, when all of a sudden... The woman looked in the direction of the straw stack and spied Billy. Begory, Tim, what is that? A big white dog or what? Down by the straw stack? asked Mrs. Rooney. Tim looked and said, No, mother, it is a goat. Let's drive him out. He is the one that has done all the mischief. And as he spoke, he picked up a stone to throw at Billy. "'Put down that stone, and what are ye about, Tim Rooney? "'Don't you know a fine billy goat is a nice thing to have in the family? "'And it is luck he will bring us by coming to us himself. "'Put him in the shed, and tomorrow you can hitch him to your cart "'and make him haul the cabbages to market.' "'Tim pulled up a bunch of nice fresh carrots and approached Billy. "'With these, he induced Billy to follow him to the shed, where he locked him in for the night. After fastening Billy in, Tim went off and left Billy to take care of himself the best he could, and he soon found a heap of straw which he curled himself upon and was in dreamland in no time. He had been asleep for several hours when he was awakened by a dog barking at the moon, and he was about going off in another nap when he thought he heard the bleating of a goat in the shed adjoining his. He pricked up his ears to listen, and sure enough he heard it again, very distinctly. And at the same time he saw a large knot hole in the board partition that divided his shed from the adjoining one, so he got up and went to look through it to see if he could not see the goat he heard bleating. Into the next shed the moonlight was streaming and lying on a pile of straw in the light he saw a beautiful white nanny goat that made his old heart palpitate with delight he was so glad to see one of his own tribe again nanny lay there unconscious of his presence apparently bleating in her sleep she lay so still as she did not move billy concluded to awaken her so he bleated good evening to her he had only gotten half through his salutation when she jumped up quickly as if she had been touched with an electric wire and looking around with a frightened stare said good gracious how you frightened me who are you and where are you for i see no one you can't see me but i am here all the same at the other side of the shed looking at you through the knot hole My name is Billy Whiskers, and I come from nowhere in particular, and I am bound for the same place. Now tell me your name and the name of the people you are living with. My name is Nanny O'Hara, and I live with a family of the same name, but I belong to their eldest son, Mike. And does he treat you good, my fair friend? asked Billy. Oh, yes, answered Nanny, as well as boys generally do. But he often makes me pull heavy loads, and forgets to feed and water me sometimes. Oh, the brute, said Billy, to make anyone as handsome as you pull heavy loads. How I wish I could help you, for I am strong, and used to pulling large loads. The next time he makes you do it, just run into a tree and upset his cart. Or better still, run away altogether and find someone else to live with. Oh, Mr. Billy, I would not dare do either. I am so timid. Hark, here comes someone and we must not let them hear us talking, said Billy. So, ta-ta, I'll see you tomorrow. Sure enough, they had heard someone talking. It was Tim Rooney and his chum, Mike O'Hara, whom he was bringing to show his goat. As they unfastened the door, Billy heard Mike say, I tell you, Tim. What I will do if he turns out as fine a goat as you say he is, I'll give you a dollar and a half for him. So, you'll give me a dollar and a half, will ye? Well, I like that. A dollar and a half for the finest goat ye ever laid your two eyes on. Not much. What do ye take me for, an idiot? I don't want or sell, but if ye'll offer inducements enough, I may think about it. For we have no cart or harness fine enough for so handsome a goat as this one. We'll open the door and let's see him, said Mike. Tim opened the door and there stood Billy Whiskers in all his glory with his most dignified expression mixed with a little disgust. For had he not heard himself valued at a dollar and a half, he that had brought twenty dollars in his day? Tim tied a rope around Billy's neck and led him out of the shed and then the bargaining began again. Well, since I have seen him, says Mike, and find he is pretty large, I'll raise my bid to two dollars cash. Not on your life will I sell him for that, said Tim. Then how does three strike you? Or you keep your goat, for I won't pay another cent. It costs too much to keep a big goat like that. They eat up everything on the place. This Tim well knew. And as he was short of money and a circus was coming to town the next week, he decided to let him go. But not without one last effort to get a little more out of Mike. Now Mike had a hunting knife Tim had long coveted, though it had a rusty blade and a wobbly handle, so he said, I'll tell you what I'll do, Mike. I'll let you have him for $3 cash and your hunting knife with a package of cigarettes thrown in. All right, it's a go, said Mike. So Mike took hold of Billy's rope and led him into his yard. And thus Billy changed hands once more and became the property of Mike O'Hara. End of chapter three.